And welcome back to some EMS stories. And it's finally time. It is story time. Now, I've been waiting too long, a little too long, but you can send your story at uh, uh, some EMS stories at gmail.com. Uh, I got two today that I'm going to be sharing and talking about. And these guys uh, kind of have a uh, kind of have unique experiences in this. Maybe you can relate. So my first story is actually from Tim. Uh, he writes, thanks for the show, y'all. I've enjoyed listening. So I'm an EMT out in Arizona. Uh, the story I have is from when I was working a 911 BLS truck. Primarily the truck we were on, we've responded to provide EMS, I'm sorry, BLS transports for the local fire department after their ALS assessment. It's a 24 hour shift. So this day we got about a 2 a.m. call to respond to this 60-plus-year-old female. And the call described as a sick person. When we got on the scene, we were walking towards the apartment with the gurney. Well, uh, we just call it a stretcher. Uh, but that that's interesting. Uh, the fire crew was walking towards us, carrying all their gear, and they had a woman with them. We assumed to be our patient. This lady was walking fine, had her purse draped over her shoulder, looking like she was on her way to the grocery store. That's, that's more common than you might think. People are all dressed up like they're fine. Shopping or something. This already made us pretty annoyed. I understand. But we're like, all right, let's hear the story. Maybe she's got a legit reason. So the fire guy tells us what's up. I guess this was the third or fourth time that the crew had responded to the patient that day. Wow. That day for the same issue. Each time they checked her out, she was stable and they were able to get her to refuse transport to the hospital. You mean she decided not to go. It's important. Well, this time they were like, we're done. Get her to the hospital. Her chief complaint was her doctor had just prescribed her a new medication, can't recall which medication, and can't recall which condition the medication was supposed to treat. And she was afraid to take the new medication because she was afraid what it might do to her. So she hadn't even taken the medication yet. She was just anxious about the effect that the medication would have once she took it. So we get her into the back of the truck check her vitals, which are all stable. We drive her to the hospital. And on the way, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure this lady out. Have you ever had an allergic reaction to a medication before? No. Have you ever been on this medication in the past? No. That's him asking and her responding. Did the doctor or the pharmacist explain what the side effects might be? She says, yes. And now he's thinking, I almost wanted to be like, lady, give me the dosage and I'll put it down your gullet. We'll drive around for a bit and see what happens. Boom. Trip to the hospital avoided and you probably stop calling 911 for this, for this issue. But of course you can't do that. So I feel for the hospital's nurses, he's saying, a lot of the time that we're giving these patients to them. As if their work isn't already busy enough. Yeah. Nurses have to sometimes watch 
10, 20 patients, especially now that there's a shortage, um, as if their work isn't hard enough or busy enough. They got to deal with this anxiety issue that clearly have no medical need. Keep up the good work. I appreciate you, Tim. Yeah, man, uh, you will in EMS. You're going to find a lot of people, a lot of people who really don't need uh, an ambulance, but insist. Um, honestly, we are for many patients. Uh, we are a rock for them. Um, I'll tell you what I mean by that. So, uh, you know, I've I, I've had a patient who, or I, I get this call often. Uh, they they suffer from hypertension. Uh, but they also have anxiety um, and any other psychiatric issues might be. But when we get there and we take their blood pressure, we try to find out because the blood pressure is a little more normal. It's manageable. 140, 80. Uh, that's for someone with hypertension. That's not abnormal, right? 140 over 80, 140 over 86, right? And it's usually faulty. Sometimes it's like faulty equipment that they have. They usually get that automatic blood pressure cuff. Uh, but what they don't know is if they've had it for a while, they need to recalibrate it. Sometimes they get these things and they're not really taught on how to use it properly. And so there might be a misread. But the point is that when some patients get so anxious, their mind starts telling them things. And, you know, people around them, they, they're not experienced with, with such situations in various moments. They might just, you know, say, hey, just, just call 911. You can go to the hospital. But it's funny because when we get there, soon as we talk to the patient and, you know, our number one rule is we always, we don't have the luxury of losing our minds. We don't have the luxury of becoming anxious. We don't. We have to remain perfectly calm to the point where it's abnormal. And that, that's why you get into this work. It's because you are going to be that rock that people rely on. And so, you know, as you're talking to the patient calmly, hey, you know, you're good. It's 140 over 80. Uh, is that usually what your blood pressure is? And they might say yes. They might say no. Maybe it's a little lower. Maybe it's a little higher. But you'll start to see in their reactions that they calm down. And uh, it seems like plenty of other units did that with this lady. And they were just like, you know, she would kind of get over it. Uh, and say, well, I think I'll be okay. I think, um, I'll be fine. I won't go to the hospital. If anything changes, then, then I'll just call you guys again. And so, yeah, a lot of times you'll get it, uh, a refusal that way when they calm down. A lot of times their anxiety gets the best of them, no matter how calm you are, no matter how sensible you are. And they'll just continue to insist going to the hospital. And that sucks because uh, our hospitals are already overcrowded. Um, they're already understaffed. And yes, our nurses are very overworked. And I I wish that there was more help. Um, but especially after the uh, pandemic, um, I, we see these numbers dwindling all around. Police, EMS, nursing, doctors, all of that. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, some people don't understand that you don't call us because you call us for emergencies <laughs> i've got another story and i was working with a partner i started working overnights uh, uh a few days out of the week now and i was working with a partner and we went to a call for a guy who apparently had a lump 
next to his anus. And so when we get there, um, you know, he's uh, walking around. He's perfectly sound. He's telling us exactly what I just said. And we're just like, okay, all right. Well, I mean, if, if you want to go to a hospital, we'll, we'll take you to a hospital. Um, have you, have you used anything on it? Have you, have you tried to cure it in any, in any way? Uh, have you ever, have you ever had a hemorrhoid? You know, things like that. And he's like, well, um, I took an ibuprofen and it's kind of been helping my pain. And so we're just like, all right, well, um, just a heads up. Hospitals are a little packed right now. You might have to wait a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, he starts to say, he starts to rethink his decision. Uh, mind you, his parents are there. This guy's like 24, 25. And then, you know, the parents are trying to egg him on to go. But we have to respectfully tell them, listen, it, it's, it's not your decision. You know, he's, he's going to have to decide for himself. If he wants to go, that's fine. If he wants to stay, that's fine. And, and so, uh, dad uh, is outraged and he just, he just yells out. He's like, oh, so we're only supposed to call for an emergency when they're dying or something. <laughs> My partner and I both look at him and they're like, well, yes, yes. Typically that's when you call 911, you call 911 when there's an emergency, right? Uh, this kind of thing could have been settled at an urgent care. This kind of thing could have been settled with your personal doctor if you're able, ever able to get them as an appointment. So I, I get it both ways. It, it's kind of a pain. It's kind of a hassle. You've got to be their rock and their common sense at times, um, which is interesting because I don't I use common sense. I don't use common sense loosely. Um, common sense is not always common. But but yeah, uh, we've we've got to be that sense of just just a sober mind at the moment. Just think about what you're about to do. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I get it. Some, some people, you know, she's, a, she's elderly. She's elderly. She, I don't know if she lives alone. It sounds like she lives alone. Uh, she, she definitely didn't need an ambulance. If you're telling me her vitals were stable and she just had her purse uh, draped around her and she was ambulatory to, you, you know, toward, towards the truck and it's her fourth time calling, get it. But at the end of the day, that that's 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 the that's what we've been dealt right uh and so i've got another story actually uh, and it says um this is from uh jonah i hope i'm not butchering that uh he says hey i got one story for you if you like i'm an emt working in finland so my english may not be the best sorry about that we were dispatched to a nursing home one day there was this older man who had fallen out of his bed he had hit the floor with his left hip touching the floor first. Okay. As we got in there, our patient was lifted to, the, to a wheelchair. Then we did our surveys um, our, and assessments and lifted our patient carefully onto our stretcher so that we could examine the hip more accurately. I love this. Uh, I love your English, actually. Your, your English is much better than mine. Uh, the move to the stretcher was extremely painful for the man. As we examined, we didn't exactly find any external signs of hip fracture. But as the pain escalated so quickly during the move, we decided to transport the patient to the hospital suspecting hip fracture femur fracture. 
as we were about to leave the nursing home for the ambulance, suddenly our patient decided to fart loudly. Uh oh. And then looked into our eyes. Then, when we asked, what was that? Hopefully, it wasn't a whole cargo that slumped into your pants. At least he didn't, at least he did not admit it, but there was really a really bad smell and it did not go away without, without further thought, we left the nursing home at the hospital. That was a trauma patient unit. There was so many patients signed in that there were, there was no room left for our patient. There was only one room that had one bed which was an intensive care room that would be used if there was a really severe patient. After a long argument about whether or not our patient did, did have symptoms clear enough for a hip fracture, they did take the patient into the emergency room. They were annoyed and worried, though. If some ambulance brought a severe patient, now they wouldn't have room to operate them. As we moved the patient from the stretcher to the hospital bed with the trauma nurses, I noticed that there was still a strong smell hovering in the air. I knew what was about to happen. So I went, my partner, maybe we should take our stuff and leave now. They were starting to take off the patient's trousers, trousers, to examine when we said good luck and left. <laughs> Yeah, you you guys handed the uh, package over to the nurses, and uh, now now it's their mess to clean. Well, uh, well, they actually have staff uh, to clean that, right? They've got housekeeping there to clean that. At, at least that's how it works in hospitals in New York. Um, yeah, that that uh that sounds that sounds messy, man. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this or if you've heard our previous ep or my previous episodes. Where we are in charge of cleaning our own truck. We don't, we don't have a, a person to do that. I don't know how it's like in Finland, but in New York, you're going to grab a mop. You're going to grab everything and you're going to, you're going to clean and wipe and desanitize. It was, it, you know, it was crazy even during COVID. So if you believe you had a COVID patient, you'd have to sanitize the entire truck. You have to desanitize the entire truck. So. I mean, hats off to you. He didn't. Sounds like he didn't. He didn't uh, create such a mess in the back of your truck. But I, I definitely sanitized that uh, that stretcher. I don't know if that's what you did, but uh, I hope that's what you did because it, it sounds like um, it wasn't just a fart. It was. It was pretty loaded. Um, yeah, man. We we've. I've had plenty of patients who either urinated, defecated, vomited in the back of my truck, bleeding in the back of my truck. And it is, it's, it's, it's so unpleasant to do like, but you, you just have to do it. There's, there's no if, ands or buts. I, I, I feel like for EMS in general, there is no, I can't, it's just, no, get the truck on the road and, uh, get ready for the next call. Uh, I, I, I've picked a patient. I, I, I got one. So, so there was, there was one time there was an EDP yelling at kids in the street. And there were some bystanders who just called because she was causing such a ruckus. When we get there, when we get there, uh, she is just lying to our left across the street, 
some guy approaches our vehicle and say, listen, this, this woman, she has behavioral problems, psychiatric problems. I don't know, but she has to go. She's, you know, just causing a ruckus. And as I look at the woman and, and it, before I even approach her, she's got like two pairs of pants on one is by is at her knees and I can clearly see like the inside of her, uh, of the other pants, uh, between, you know, the anus and the, in and her, uh, and her vaginal canal. There is just a, a stain of a mixture of blood and, and, and feces. So yeah, this, this woman, although she's not doing anything now to kind of prove what's going on, usually we, you know, if we hear a story from somebody and we see someone just by themselves, we'll go, we'll, we'll take what that person says, but then we'll ask the patient to try to gather whether or not this is a transport or not, right? We don't just force people um, if they're not emotionally disturbed, if they don't require us. But yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, yeah, I don't think I need any more convincing. But I, I, of course, we still afforded the courtesy of asking her, hey, what's going on? And she was completely out of it. She was just like, you know, we were asking her, uh, hey, they're they're telling us you're yelling at kids. Are you yelling at kids? She's like, what? What kids? What? And she's just like, yeah, she's off. Now, usually we would have PD for this kind of thing. We we don't usually approach EDPs uh, without PD, but um, it was a pretty swamp day and we already made patient contact. So we just started talking to her and just saying, hey, um, let's just get you out of the heat uh, because, you know, let's get you to a hospital. Let's get you talking to, to a doctor. And, you know, after a little bit of a, of a struggle in the sense of contemplating whether she wanted to go or not, she, she agreed. She voluntarily got in the back of our truck. And as I was doing paperwork, we had the door open and before she got on, I forgot to mention, we told her to put up the second pair of pants and um, then we put a sheet around her just because she was going to sit down on the bench and you know, we took her to the hospital after a while, but best believe we had to get back there there were stains, right and we had to desanitize that entire bench and then we, gotta w- we had to wait for it to dry but just that thought, man, just, uh, uh, period blood and, and, and just feces. It, it does not make a good color, but we got to transport any patient if regardless of them. I've had patients full of blood. I've had patients full of feces. I've had patients who go into the back of our truck and then decide to vomit that one. Oh my gosh. I've had patients who go into the back of our truck and decide to urinate and, and and it's it's just because they're 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 just like pissed drunk or something like that. They just can't control their bladder, and all we could do is try to contain it. Uh, usually with sheets. By the way, like I said, a sheet is your best friend. Just as important as any other bit of your equipment. If you take up a stair chair, make sure there's a sheet in there. All right. You don't want to not take a sheet. Very important message. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that story. Again, if you guys have some EMS stories, please send it. Uh, some EMS stories at gmail.com.
That's some EMS stories at gmail.com. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. Leave it a rating uh, on, on iTunes or whatever about whatever you think about it. But until next time, this was some EMS stories. I'll catch you guys later.